Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for bringing us here. Thank you for this community. Thank you for the village and the way you've shaped it and the way you've given us good things, the way that you've um, showed us your paths and you've called us to serve you and to love you. Father, thank you for those who came tonight and it's their first time and they're clueless about this place. And for those of us who've been here from the very beginning um, and who see you at work, Father, open our eyes to you, open our ears to you, help us to hear you speak, help us to um, listen for your spirit, to listen for what's true, and to hold on to that, and to let go of anything else that would keep us from you, that uh, the voices that would uh, call our attention away from you help help us to... Uh, to come before you now. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. When Eric gave me this slot, he said, Rod, it's the week before the belonging service, so I want you to talk about the village, and I want you to talk about why people should come to the village. And and he also suggested that um, in doing so, I tell you a bit of my story and how how this all came to be. So um, I agreed to do that. And so I I wanted to start at the beginning. <laughs> I'm, I'm a farm boy from Iowa. Um, I'm a little Pella boy. Uh, that was our farm, five miles uh, outside of Pella on the old Galesburg Road, for those of you who, who've been there. <coughs> Uh, that was a gravel road. Um, that The barn here is, this is where I played, spent many happy hours, made hay forts. Uh, I slept upstairs here um, next to the room that was always closed and had weird sounds coming out of it. I don't know what that was about. Uh, I climbed to the very top of that silo um, and walked around the edge of it, much to my mother's chagrin. Um, <coughs> she was terrified. Um, but that was my life. And um, I was baptized in the uh, second Pella Christian Reformed Church as an infant. My parents were members there. Their parents had helped build it. Uh, their grandparents, great-grandparents, um, all came from the Netherlands. So it was a Dutch community. Um, it's where I spent my childhood. I was a Dutch kid in a Dutch world. Uh, that's me in my Dutch costume. This was my sister with Mir- this was my sister Miriam with her little peaked hat. Um, I used to walk in the tulip time parade um, every year that Pella, Iowa has. It's one of a few cities in the United States that has an annual tulip time parade. A Dutch kid in a Dutch world. Everybody I knew was Dutch. We had a little saying, if you're not Dutch, you're not much. (laughs) That was really cruel. That You guys aren't supposed to laugh at that. That was a mean thing that we believed. But anyway, um, and it's where I first studied the Heidelberg Catechism and learned covenantal Reformed theology. 
You go, wow. And you were how old? Yeah, that's the age where we started, okay? And we studied the Heidelberg Catechism. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of it, but it's a catechism that explains the basics of the Christian faith. And along with the Apostles' Creed that we recite every other week, it was what we believed. There were things that we held true. Covenantal Reformed theology became my worldview. It's how I see the world. It's how I saw the world then and was taught to see the world, and it's how I see it. Uh, high schoolers, remember when I talked to you about the importance of worldview, right? That you have a worldview. It's how you think things work. It's how you believe things work. It's how you see things working. And so I came out of that mindset. Part of that was that I believe a lot of what the Reformed Christian folk believed, which is that uh, we're not basically really good people who are going to get better. We're basically evil people and bad people who desperately need the grace of God to make it through our lives. Life isn't an upward trajectory where we just get better and better and better. There's sin and evil and sickness and brokenness in this world. And we are all desperate for grace. And the powerful thing that I learned as a kid was the power of grace. That you absolutely couldn't make it through this world without the grace of God, without God with you, with, without God being near you, without God holding you. Everything else for me, when I imagine a world without God, I can't imagine, I just can't even think that way. So I was taught early on that God was here with us in, in Jesus, and that we could um, find a, uh, our way in him and only in him, that our journey, our path through life, um, if we were to, to have deep joy, I'm not talking about happiness, I'm not talking about good times, I'm not talking about that, I'm talking about joy, that deep inner peace, that would come only because of we had a relationship with Jesus. I was taught all that as a kid, and it was pretty cool. This is where I first dreamed up the village. <clears throat> this was my house, my mother's and father's house in, in, uh, um, in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, when I was in my late teens, I was living there. Um, I just want you to know that for those of you who think that Eric dreamed up the village, he wasn't even born when I was dreaming about the village. <laughs> He never even knew, I mean, he, he was not even a, he was a baby. At, like, he couldn't possibly have dreamt the village before me. So, but I started dreaming about what church could be. The church that I attended was a place where I was uncomfortable bringing my friends who didn't know Jesus. The, the place where I attended was, was um, a, a place that was great on proper theology, but wasn't always so great on being welcoming and, and being a place where people could come. And I had deep longings to bring some of my friends to know deeply the things that I knew. Uh, when my dad had died when I was 16 years old, um, Jesus came to me in a very special way, and he held me really close. And um, I wanted that from my friends. I wanted them to know the beauty of Jesus being there and coming for you. And so I, uh, kind of in my later teens and early 20s, um, I was part of a group. I, I would write poetry 
um, and this, these singers would put those uh, lyrics to music, and <clears throat> they would go around and play at church events and things like that. And, um, and we would sit into the wee hours, and we would say, what would it be like if we could have a church that was more like, um, like a house? Like, or like a coffee shop where you could just come and hang out and where it was comfortable and, and you could talk about real things. And see, I told you, I dreamed this before Eric was even existing. So, so you're it. This is it. This is what I was dreaming about way back then. That's me still dreaming <coughs> or possibly just having nightmares. Um, my, I still dream. I still dream, I still have dreams, right? I, I dream that there will be more villages, that there will be more churches planted. One of the things that I do, I work part-time for the village, but I also work part-time uh, to start more churches in Tucson. Um, I was just up in Denver talking with other folks about uh, some missional stuff. Um, I love the idea of the church expanding and growing and 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 being everywhere. So, so I haven't given up dreaming. I, I still have big dreams. Here's some people I love. Um, Kathy, you know. Um, this is my son, Derek. My son, Justin. Um, this is my mom. This is my family back in the day. Um, these two little girls are very precious to us. Um, Tara, this is Tara and little Jolie. Um, my son, Justin, is godparent to uh, these two little girls, and uh, they've become like grandchildren to us, so we spoil them rotten and love on them. And um, I love those little girls because both of them have been badly hurt in this world. Jolie uh, was born missing part of her brain. She needs to be fed by hand. She needs to be, my son takes care of her in really special ways and, and uh, cares for her uh, to give respite to her mother. Um, they've been mistreated uh, in the past by others um, and they're just precious to us. And, and they remind me of another reason why I wanted the village to be a place where anybody could come and be received and accepted and loved and cherished and cared for, and where we could see the beauty of, of who each of us are um, and how we're created. <clears throat> this was back when I was the chief financial officer of the big auto parts company um, with, with my brother, my brother who looked a lot like Jesus, but <laughs> didn't act like him at all, just for the... Um, but my brother and I would plot and plan and dream and think about stuff. Uh, in those days, I was, um, I got everything that I wanted in life. I don't know if you guys are like this or you have this to look forward to, maybe. Um, I was uh, chief financial officer. I had 75 people working for me. I had, um, I was an elder in the church. I was uh, president of the school board. I had everything that I thought you could want, and it wasn't what I wanted. It didn't give me the joy that I thought I would have and be able to enjoy. And, and I went 
into a, a time of darkness, a deep, dark depression, and I came up on the other side of that um, because of a, an encounter with God and an invitation to go build his church. So now I want to tell you that story. This is called The Journey of Fongs. These are thongs. Now, I know that the underwear people have stolen a perfectly good word. And when you think me and you think thongs, you go, oh, good grief. These are thongs. Okay? I... laughed a while back, a few years ago, when I got my first pair of thongs. These, do you see how beautifully beat up these are? Um, they're in bad shape. And the other day, this happened. That's what happens. The journey of thongs is... Um, this is a bit, too, of, of our story, my story, in coming to understand um, that our lives, our lives together are a journey. We don't arrive. We travel. We will arrive when Jesus calls us home, when he calls us to the great next don't you love that we never quite figure out what that is? <laughs> we don't know what heaven's exactly like, but we know who's there, right? We don't know what the new earth is exactly like, but we know who's there. We know the goodness of God. And, and when we know that, we're on this journey together. For me, um, the journey was coming before God personally and deeply. Talked a little bit about that encounter with God. That encounter with God was, was um, a place where I heard a voice say to me, go build my church. And that time in my life, although not specifically a holy place, became holy ground for me. Exodus 3, 5 and 6 says, Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. When God said, go build my church, I was afraid. I was terrified. I, I thought, I was hearing voices in the middle of the night. I'm married to a nurse, right? When you're married to a nurse and you start talking about hearing voices, they bring you home names of doctors that maybe you should go see. And so I was a little concerned. And um, so I didn't know what to do with this middle-of-the-night thing that I had heard, this voice that I had heard, this dream. And so I talked to some friends of mine. Um, we were darkly depressed, all of us. 
my life, as I had mentioned, didn't work out the way I had thought. I was in depression. Um, my friend Wayne, his wife had left him, ran away with another man, and then together that couple had committed suicide. It was horrible. Um, he was just deeply, deeply, darkly repressed. Another friend of mine um, had run for the state legislature and lost by 300 votes. And... Um, he was darkly depressed. We sat together and we, and we started dreaming about, again, what, what might God do? And so I finally told them about, I had heard this voice, and they said, yeah, let's go build a church. And I said, are you crazy? We don't know how to do that. And in typical us fashion, we said, but how hard could it be? <laughs> don't ever ask that question, because you'll find out. Psalm 40, verses 1 and 2 says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. That moment when I determined that I needed to go build a church wasn't the moment when it happened. God doesn't just give you stuff and go, okay, here's a church, you can be a pastor, it'll be great. Uh, no, it's the beginning of this journey. You wait. I love that David says he waited patiently for the Lord. Eh, I waited impatiently. I'm, I'm an impatient waiter. I wanted God to work now. I don't suspect any of you are like that, but... But that's me. I, I wanted God to, to get on with it. I didn't know that the invitation would take forever, that, that, that the invitation was first to, to um, talk to some mission-minded folks and, and then eventually call a pastor and then slowly start a church. And then, and then after a couple years of doing that or two years into that, having the, the pastor of the church say, Rod, why don't you preach a message? I don't want to bring in somebody else. You could do that. Um, and my pre- preaching my first message, and then preaching some more, and then preaching some more, and then preaching in other churches, and then living in Phoenix and coming down to Tucson every week and preaching in a little church here before they closed, um, maybe because of my preaching. Um, I just said, oh, well, you guys better just move on to other places. Um, whatever. It was this long journey. Then I wanted to become ordained, and, and there was a whole process there where to get ordained, uh, there was a certain way to get ordained, and then that door got shut. And for two more years, I sat waiting. And then all of a sudden, I was ordained and sent by the church and sent here to Tucson to plant a church. My house sold in two days, and I found myself down here, not knowing anyone, called to plant a church. I floundered around for a while, ran through a bunch of funding, um, lost my way, tried to quit and go back to accounting. My superior in the church said, Rod, you still got a little funding left. Go another couple months. And in those couple months is when I met Eric and we started dreaming together and started thinking about what the village could be like. And, and this is it. Proverbs 4, 25 and 26 says, Let your eyes look straight ahead. 
Fix your gaze directly before you. Make level paths for your feet and take only ways that are firm. Do not swerve to the right or left. Keep your foot from evil. My wife knew that she was going to be a nurse when she was five. I had no clue what I was going to be when I was 63. I'm 63. (laughs) There are people who know what they want, and they know what they're going after, and they know what they're going to do. My wife does that. I love that about her. I love that singular focus. Keep your eyes looking straight ahead. But there is a deep focus in me, and that focus is on Jesus, to look ahead, to see what God might do. Some of you marvel at my gift of faith. (laughs) There's spiritual gifts, and if you are a follower of Jesus, you have spiritual gifts. You may be clueless as to what they are, um, and you may not exercise them very well. But we all have spiritual gifts, and one of the gifts that God's given me is the gift of faith. And that's the gift that allows me to see what other people don't see. I see a future. I see hope. I see Jesus returning. I see, I see all of your lives submitted to Jesus, whether that happens or not. I, I have this future. I can see into that. I, it's a gift that God has given me. And because of that, I pursue with my whole heart the gospel, the good news. Here at the village, you will hear the gospel over and over again. I didn't plant this church because I have all these amazing skills and strengths and abilities and talents. I didn't plant this church because... I had this great vision and I had outlined it all perfectly. No, I planted this church because I kept my eyes on Jesus. If you follow him wholeheartedly, which I didn't always, (laughs) and I don't always, but when I do, when I fix my eyes forward and see him and walk after him and walk in his ways and do that without falling off on either side. And to do that, you have to keep your foot from evil. We struggle with sin. I struggle with sin. I've been clear about them. Leaders know, Eric knows, many of you know the sin patterns of my life, the ones I try to break, the ones I don't break, the ones I ought to break, the ones keeping our foot from that, keeping singular focus on God and his paths and his ways. When you're at the village, when you become part of the village, people will walk with you. They will help you towards Jesus and away from sin. Isaiah 52 verse 7 says, How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of those who bring good news, who proclaim peace, who bring good tidings, who proclaim salvation, who say to Zion, Your God reigns. My feet are really ugly. They are big and they have all kinds of issues. I have hammer toes or whatever that's called. Um, I'm not going to be in a, I'm not going to be a model, uh, a foot model ever, <laughs> along with not wearing thongs. Um, but the feet that bring the gospel are the feet of Jesus 
He comes to us and He brings us the good news that no matter where you are, no matter how screwed up your life is, no matter how screwed up your relationships are, no matter where you are, no matter what is going on, He brings peace, good news, good tidings. He saves you and He loves you and He tells you that God reigns. We doubt that sometimes. We look at this world and it's a mess, the mess that we create, and we think, is God even real? He is. God reigns. It is the singular belief that holds me and helps me to remember all the time that God rules. He reigns. He is king. So as we take our journey, we walk towards him. And then our feet become blessed. Our feet become blessed because we become good news tellers. I I hope right now that you know that I have blessed feet. They may not be pretty, but they're blessed. Because I've been given the good news and I get to carry it to you. These are my new flip-flops. And they're waiting to walk. I don't know why I put that in there. It was just fun. Um, We do that in a particular way here at the village. We devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer, Acts 2.42 says. Acts 2, verse 42 is, uh, we just preached through that book, and, and we learned about this community, this relationship that we have, that where we're devoted to each other. If you come and you're part of this church, you're part of the village, you will have relationships, you will have uh, people around you, and we will uh, learn together, we will fellowship together, we'll break bread, eat together, and we'll pray together. We have certain values that we live out of. One of the values is truth, telling it like it is. This picture is... This showed up on my phone one day at home, and I took a picture of it because I was so amazed. It said, Spam. (laughs) I answered the phone because they were honest. (laughs) We're going to sell you some junk that you don't need. Spam. It was awesome. Like they were honest, right? That's what you get at the village. You're going to get the truth. People are going to speak the truth to you. It's painful sometimes to hear the truth. We don't like to hear the truth. But here, people will learn over time to tell it like it is. That can be hard, but it's so rich. Because the truth is what sets us free. The truth of what Christ has done sets us free. So one of the values that we have is truth. And, and we don't always do any of these really well. But we'll, we do them as best we can. Truth. The next one is making new things. Creativity. Um, I made this homemade tomato sauce from scratch. Um, this is a photograph I took. I write a lot. I've gotten poems written uh, um, or published and articles and so forth. I do a lot of writing. Um, anybody know what that is? This is, this is, do what? This is one of the most important things you ever had, right? My mother used this thing for years. She she ironed clothes for a living after my dad died. And she would take that 
bottle with a little sprinkler on top and she would sprinkle the clothes and dampen them so that she would iron them and they so a sprinkler bottle when I was a little kid I took that bottle and I painted it and I made it pretty so there you go right this is a place where you get to explore creativity you get to make things new you get to make new things you get to try things you get to experiment you get to create you'll be invited if you're a part of the village to be creative, to explore creativity, to write, to paint, to draw, to, to do whatever it is that you do, uh, you know, write code for computers, I, you know, stuff that I don't know how to do. But you're always invited to try and explore ways of being creative. Here at the village, we believe in accessibility, putting things together that don't seem to go together. I love this picture, the perfect amigo for your meal at the Chinese food restaurant. (laughs) Soy sauce and amigos. But here's that place, right? I That was my longing way back then, and it is now a place where anybody can come from no matter where you are, what you are, how you fit in or don't fit in or think you fit in or should fit in or don't fit in. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Here we're in a, just an um, accumulation of all kinds of folks. Um, if you ever get bored, go read the last chapter of the book of Romans. And then go do a word, uh, go do a study of all the names there. And you'll see amazing things about each of the names there. You have Herod's grandson. You have, uh, you have Greek slaves. You have, uh, some lady who's like a mom to the apostle Paul. Uh, you have uh, some twins who do work in the church. You, all these people that get together and the only thing they have in common, the only thing that they have together is Jesus Christ. And that's what I wanted to create here. That was my longing for this place, an access, accessible place where anyone can come. Authenticity, getting to know the real you. Um, this was my personality test on Facebook on, um, from Talent Today, so you know it's accurate. It came from the web. Um, creativity is one of my great strengths. Patience. Uh, it says I... Uh, persuasion. I'm, persuade, I'm hoping to persuade you to join the village. Um, this is the one Eric likes. Organization. It's my lowest place, right? I'm completely unorganized, and he keeps trying to organize me and wanting me to organize him, so you can imagine the wars we have. Authenticity, um, being who you are. You will be invited into being who God designed and created you to be. It's different than who some, he's designed and created someone else to be, and that's the joy. Together, it's beautiful because he forms a body out of us where all of us have different skills and abilities and talents and gifts, and we all... Uh, interact together. You'll get to know the real you. Fried cauliflower soup. Community. This is a community. For those of you who don't know, although Eric thinks that he makes the best soup. He doesn't, I do. Okay. This has turned ugly. Um, One of the things that um, we do is 
form and build community. We often do that around food. We have a, a meal after every service. Uh, we do um, our Thanksgiving soup supper, and anyone who's ever been to one knows it's practically the highlight of our year. We make homemade soups. We eat together. We are in each other's lives. When you are part of this community, you join in with this community. We have monastic communities where we gather and eat together and pray together and enjoy. Th- uh, we have classes that we take. We have Bible studies that we're involved with. We have women at the well. We have all these things where we can form and join and be together as community. If you just come on Sunday night, you're missing a lot. Fried cauliflower soup. <clears throat> when I had been offered a job uh, back in Grand Rapids, or uh, in Canada actually, um, there was some concern about whether I should go, and we were talking to the leaders, and um, Tamaki said, Rod, if you go, I think God would release you to go, but if you go, you have to give me the recipe for your fried cauliflower soup. <laughs> because when I first came here, I thought, why would somebody make soup this good and then give it away to strangers, right? It was a beautiful story. I loved when she told me that because it's about community, our community and the broader community. The disciplines. Blessings and being blessed. Here at the village, you will be invited into the disciplines, into Bible study, into um, prayer, into into, um, quiet reflection, into solitude, into going on retreats with God, into disciplining yourself into spiritual practices. One of the great spiritual practices, I think, is the practice of blessing. Of blessing and being blessed. Often you see me at the end of the service come up and I raise my hands and I call down God's blessings. Sometimes people screw up and say, Rod, come and bless us. My blessings are worthless. I got nothing to bless you with. But God's blessings are rich and powerful and great, and he offers them to you. And so when I do that, do you notice, by the way, speaking of discipline, when I raise my hand, how you all get quiet? And then the kids who aren't very quiet, or who still aren't quiet, all you mothers are shushing them, right? I always love that little And then we get everybody quiet, and I wait, and I wait, and I wait, and some of the people get a little uncomfortable sometimes because you're just like, what's going to happen? And then I call down God's blessing. May the love of God and the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. And you say, Because it's a discipline. It's a discipline of being blessed and blessing, of taking what you receive and offering it to others. When I look at my life, it's been a rich life. I have beautiful family. I have, I've just spent a week in Denver and got to spend a bunch of time with my dear sister. Um, it was, it's, it's amazing the good things that I've been given. I've been blessed to turn around and bless others. The journey continues. The story goes on. And I'd love if you'd come and sign up 
be a member. It's a year commitment, right? When we flew to Canada a couple weeks ago, um, uh, I guess it's a month ago now, uh, Kathy and I were going to fly to Canada, and we got on the plane in uh, in Seattle to fly to Calgary, and we were in the very back row in the row where the seats do not go back. We had the two seats next to the bathroom. We were surrounded by families with small children. Am I getting any sympathy yet? <laughs> All of you who've traveled with small children, you know, I love you, but wow. You know, I, and I, I just like, it's hard, right? But it's also hard on the rest of us, okay? And, and so we're sitting there crammed into these little seats, and Kathy says, can we do this? And I said, we can do anything for two hours. So what? We can do this. And we did. And then we had a lovely time in Calgary. You're going to sign up for a year. You can do anything for a year. <laughs> like how that works, right? It's just a year. If after a year you say, that place stinks, I would never do that again. That was horrible. Well, then go on down your way, you know, please. Do it for a year. Sign up. I've never done a sales pitch for the village in my entire life. This is my first one. Because I love it. I love what God's raised up around me, what he's created. I love that you're here. I love that you surround this place. I love that I get to pastor with Eric. That that we have the beautiful leaders that we have. The, the way that God gave us this building. Do you know that, you know... Somebody anonymously gave us $300,000. We'll never know who it is so we could buy this building. Isn't that crazy? Because God's good. Here, God does stuff. He does stuff to me. He changed my life. He gave me the gift of himself, and he gave me the gift of you. I pray that you'll come walk with me. Let's pray. Father, it's with joy. I say thank you for all that you've done. All that you're doing. And all that you yet will do. Bless these people. Help us to walk together. In Jesus' name. And towards him. Always and forever. In Jesus' name. Amen.